Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. All right, this is going to be my last message in the Minefield series. Looking forward to beginning a new series next Sunday. Uh, it is going to be dynamic what, what we're going to learn uh, these, these next few weeks. I'm excited about that. But as we wrap this up, minefields. I've told you this each week. I use that term as a play on words. Typically, we're familiar with the term M-I-N-E, minefields. But I've used that purposefully for us to think about the, the really our mind and what's happening there how the enemy works against that, how life works against that, and how that affects our walk with the Lord. As a believer, uh, it's very important we understand that, that our mind is the battleground. It is the, the place where all the information, the input, the effects of life have lodged. It's the place where we, as we read our Bible, as we pray, as we worship, as the Holy Spirit works in our life, what God is saying to us, And what life is saying to us, meet on a battleground called your mind. It's important we understand that. It's important we understand this not from a just mental or psychological point of view. I'm not a psychologist or a doctor. And so it's important that we understand this place of conflict, the mind, the battleground, from a spiritual point of view. That we we understand that some of our actions, some of our reactions... Some of the things that seem to hold us, the places we're stuck, are because of the impact of life and what that's done in our mind. You know, a mind, M-I-N-E, a minefield is a place where there's hidden destruction. It's where underneath the surface, during a time of war, an enemy has hidden and planted explosive devices. As you go through life, the things that have happened to you, abuse, neglect, discouragement, delay, broken promises, broken vows, uh, insecurity. Those things are, are laying underneath the surface, just waiting for something to trigger that and for all those feelings and emotions to come rushing back at us. In fact, I shared with you, I think in my first message that <clears throat> doctors tell us, psychologists and neurologists tell us that you and I learn by developing patterns in our brain. As an infant, as a child, the way that, that we learn to do the most basic things, to walk, to talk, to eat, to smile, to respond, to greet, to learn, those are patterns that develop so that many of the things we do are subconscious. In other words, you don't have to consciously think, how do I open a door? You just do that. You don't have to consciously tell yourself, how do I pick up a glass of water? You don't have to consciously tell yourself many of the things you do. Why? Because that's how we learn. Patterns are developed and we respond and that can be a very positive thing. But if you remember, we've been looking at second Corinthians 10 verses three, four and five. And the Bible says that we are in a war, but the good news is we have weapons that are mighty through God. How many are thankful for mighty weapons? And then verse five tell us that it deals with our thoughts, our imaginations and strongholds. Now, I want you to get this. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a pattern in your mind that is so fixed that anytime something happens that triggers that pattern, you put everything in that category. In other words, if you were a person that's, that's dealing under the heavy weight of depression 
And that's become the way you view life. That's become your pattern of how you process things. You put almost everything in that category. Something happens that, that really wasn't that negative, but because you're in that pattern of thinking, you put it there. If you're a person who's dealing with rejection and you've accepted that that mentality, you're a victim, you're a martyr, everybody's against me, nothing works. I mean, when a red light comes on in traffic, you take that as a personal insult. That's a tough way to live. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, you, 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 uh, I don't know, your, your neighbor gets a new car and you don't. That's a personal insult to you. See, look, look at life. They got a car, didn't get a car. You know, uh, your, your friend has more likes on Facebook than you. It's a personal insult. Somebody defriended you. It's the end of the world because you have a pattern. You process everything that way. We had a, a, a first marriage that was difficult and didn't work and you went through the trauma of a divorce. But unless we are freed from these patterns that life has put on us, you just, this, your, your new spouse just has the same look that person had. And, and, and they're that person all of a sudden because that pattern's in your mind. So what do we do about that? What I'm coming at you with this series is, is not trying to train you how to overcome that, encourage you, talk you out of that, but let's see what God can do about that. Can somebody say amen? You, you, you're weary enough with depression. You're stressed enough with life. You're anxious enough waiting for something to happen. So let's not pile anything else on us. Let's find out that God can do something about that. Let's allow him to do something that frees us. How many think freedom is a better way to live? How many say, Pastor, I want these patterns, these strongholds rewired by the way I think and the way I live. And so let's, let's, that's what we've been studying. So today, I want to talk about the antidote for depression. The antidote for anxiety. The antidote for disappointment and fear. What would be the antidote for that? It's something that is very powerful in scripture and it's called hope. I want to talk about hope today. I want to end this series giving you a dose of hope. How many are ready for more hope? You'll say amen amen to that today. See, biblical hope. Let's look at biblical hope. There's two kinds of hope. I'll show you scripture even use that in the same verse. There's two kinds of hope. Let's talk about biblical hope. Let's talk about the God kind of hope. Biblical hope is this. Listen to me. Biblical hope rests on God's promises and his ability to fulfill that promise. Biblical hope does not rest on anyone else in my life. It does not rest on me. It rests on God and his ability to do what he said. So let me ask you a question. How many believe that God is who he says he is? You believe that? See, uh, okay, almost got ahead of myself. I believe God is who he says he is. I believe that. And I believe God will do what he said. Okay, so hope, biblical hope, is available to every believer listening to me right now. And it's not resting on what people have done or have not done. Let's get our eyes off people. Somebody say amen to that. Let's get our eyes off the past. Let's get our thinking off of what somebody has or has not done. And let's begin to understand biblical hope. It's so powerful. It's the antidote for these mind strongholds. But it does not rest on you or me or anyone else. It rests on God and his faithfulness in our life. Has God been faithful to anyone in this place? Can you think about the faithfulness of God? Well, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 because there's a connection you must see to really understand hope. 
And it's power in your life. It's faith and hope. You have to see this. Now, I've taken some time. I'm going to look at three different uh, translations of Hebrews 11.1. I want to begin with the King James translation. All right? The King James translation. Let's look at this. I have three translations that I want you to look at with me. Okay? Now, faith. I always tell people this. uh, This message is on hope, not faith. But they're inseparably linked together. What's the first word here? Now, faith is not necessary for yesterday. I can't live tomorrow yet. So faith's power is right now. Someone say now. See, this is right now. Faith matters right now. So watch this. Now, faith is what? Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. There's a connection. So faith. Can I give you another word for faith? Really, the, the, the first translation of this word in the Greek for faith is literally trust. Trust. Does that make some sense to us? Faith, I have people all the time saying, I don't know if I have enough faith. How much faith do I have? Well, I can give you some good news. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it'll move a mountain. I have some more good news for you. The Bible says, faith is a gift God puts in your life. So how many of you are born again today? Let me see your hand. Then put the other hand up because you've got a lot of faith in your life right now. Okay, so here we are. We are established that. You have faith. Say, I have faith. You have faith. All right. So let's settle that. The, the word for faith is trust. Trust is, trust kind of becomes personal because trust is based on relationship. Why do we have faith? Because we trust God. I want to say it again. You know why you have faith in God? Because you trust God. And, and, and it's, we, we don't need to add a lot to that. I remember, <clears throat> I, I don't, I probably don't know if I should say this. We live in such a, uh, delicate world now. People get offended by everything. But when my daughters were little, I had this little thing I'd do. It made my wife nervous, but we never had an accident. I would take those little girls and, and, and sometimes I'd, I'd stand them right up on top of the refrigerator. I'd say, jump. And they would smile and laugh and jump right off the top of that thing. You know why? They trusted me to catch them. And my wife said, there's other ways to build trust. And I said, I understand that. I don't know that I recommend that to anybody. See, some of you guys might not be as good catching as I am. So, you know. But what was the deal? They would just laugh and jump. Because it never crossed their mind not to trust me. Because if I said do it, I'd always been there. If I said I'm here, I was there. And so what you need to understand, don't complicate faith. Faith is trust. You know why you trust? Because you have a relationship. You know why you trust God? Because he's already been faithful to you. He's shown himself faithful to you. It started the day you got saved. You trusted him to take you in the middle of all your mess. Can you say amen to that? I mean, come on. How many know you were a wreck? And now you know it more than you did then because now you can think and see right. And you say, man, I really was a wreck the day I got saved. But what happened? You trusted him to do what he said. And he saved you. He accepted you. So you and I have trust in God. So let's watch this. Now, trust is the substance of everything I'm hoping for. So hope means it hasn't happened yet. But I have an anticipation that it will. See, it's the anecdote. When I become depressed, faith and trust have just been squeezed out of my life. If I'm living under anxiety and fear and disappointment, I stop hoping and I start existing. Do you understand? So when I go back to the foundation of trust, I have hope begins to come in my life. 
Now, faith, trust, is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. People say, oh, faith is just blind. No, no, no. I've got some substance. It is the faithfulness of God. I've got some substance for my faith. I'm walking on a planet he created. I'm breathing oxygen that he authored. I am living because he is who he said. I have some substance and I'm hoping. It's the evidence, proof of things not yet seen. Let's look at this. Uh, NIV, I think it's the next one I have. Let's look at this. Now, faith is what? Confidence in what we hope for. Faith allows me to be confident. Why am I hoping? Why am I anticipating? Because God's pattern of faithfulness has caused me to believe that if he's done it before, he'll do it again. Why do I have hope in the middle of a rough time? Because God's always been with me in those hard times. So I begin to have confidence in what I'm hoping for. And I have what? Assurance. Say confidence. And assurance about what I do not see. Now look at this amplified. I love this. Because this, this kind of puts the synonyms together and really helps us understand. Watch this. Now, faith is the assurance. What does that mean? Come on, look at this. The confirmation. I love this next word. What is my faith? It is the title deed. Ah, the title deed. The title deed. You know what really makes your home your home? It's not you living in that house. It's not your car in the garage. It's not your clothes in the closet. It's not your name on the mailbox. It's not your books on the shelf. It's not your family pictures on the wall. You know what makes that house your house? If somebody challenges that, it's the title deed you have in your hand. So if the devil comes to you and says, your God is not faithful, I'd say, I got a title deed that this belongs to me. If the devil says, you're never going to be healed, I've got a title deed based on the word of God. I don't have to see it. I don't have to have it yet. I don't have to know it yet. I'm holding the deed in my hand. If my children or my family or a loved one's not saved and the devil says they're not going to be saved, I'm not going to get rattled because I have a title deed that says, if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, me and my household shall be be saved. So because of my faith in his word, I have substance and evidence. I have a title deed to it. The next time the devil tells you you're going to die depressed, you need to tell him I've got a title deed that says I am chosen, selected, loved, honored, freed, healed, delivered. I am a righteous, believing child of God. I'm overcoming in the name of Jesus. I've got the title deed and you're just a lying squatter. Get off my property. I'm God's. Title deed of what? You got to see this. The title deed of what? Of the things I'm hoping for. I don't have it yet, but I got a title deed to it. I got a, a deed. So, so look at this. Being the proof of things we do not see. Now watch this. And the conviction of the reality. Here, what does that mean? How do I have faith in what I don't see? How do I have hope when it's not here yet? Look at this. Faith perceives as a real fact, what is not revealed to my senses. So in other words, I recognize there's something greater than me. There's something bigger than the moment. There's something more real than what my five senses can interact with right now. And that's the promise of the word of God. My faith enables me to see beyond me. My faith enables me to understand beyond what I can feel in this moment. See, my five senses may be telling me, it's done, pal. It's over for you. 
You're discouraged. You're depressed. You're anxious. You're fearful. You're going to die of a heart attack. You're going to fall over dead. You're going to die bitter and lonely by yourself. No one's going to ever love you. That's what my senses, my emotions, my patterns, my strongholds may scream in my ear. But if I will back up for a minute. And pull out my title deed. And take just a few seconds. The next time you get there. You need to say hold on a minute. Let me run over here to the safe. Where I keep my papers. You got any place you keep your papers? You got a, uh, you know, a lock box or may, maybe you got to run, say, just a minute, I'm going to the bank. And you run over to the bank and you say, I need to go in here to this. And you open it up and you pull it out and say, now, now, what were you saying to me? Because my title deed says that Jesus promised in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. His word says that he, Jesus came and shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome him. His word said, wait, wait over here. In this clause it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Wait a minute. I got another clause and then the addendum to my contract of my title deed also says to this. He says that I will never be tempted above what I am able but will with the temptation God will provide a way out so I will not be overcome let let me see Uh, Oh, and my God said he shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus now now as, as I can tell you belong this all belongs to me this family belongs to me. My hope belongs to me. My future belongs to me. My health belongs to me. My dream belongs to me. My purpose belongs to me. The devil is a liar. Faith is substance. It is stuff that's good. Oh, this is my important Bible marker. It's from one of my grandchildren. I love it. it says, you're the best G-dad ever. I love you, Judah. I'm not going to lose that. I'm going to hold on to that. You see, guys, you have a title deed. Your faith has substance. It's not just positive thinking. It's not just religious jargon. It's not some type of thing you work yourself up to. It's recognizing who God is. Let me ask you again. Is God who he says he is? And can God do what he said he would do? That's the power of that. Biblical hope is not just wishful thinking. Aren't you thankful for that? Some people use that word. Well, I hope it happens. You know, you know, some of you have been disappointed and you don't have hope because you've been to Tunica too often. You keep hoping. You're going to hit it. And that one-armed bandit keeps robbing you. And you think you're a bad poker player. And you think you can count cards and play blackjack. But you lost all your hope there, didn't you? I could go on, but I'll stop. See, biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not based on circumstances or luck. Come on, somebody think. It's based on solid certainty. See, hope is the extension of faith. Because we trust God, hope is the fruit of that. You get that? Hope is the fruit of that. I've got a powerful verse. Look at Romans 15, 13. If you're struggling to hope, you, you, you must see this verse. Romans 15, 13. Hope is the antidote to these things that are, that are setting up strongholds in your mind. Romans 15, 13. Are you ready? You got to look at this. May the God of hope. Oh, come on. He's the God of hope. He's the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. 
Can I ask you something? Don't raise your hand. When's the last time you had joy? When's the last time you laughed? When's the last time you came to church and got up off your feet and danced a little bit? Or when's the last time you danced at home? I don't mean, you know, breaking it down. I mean enjoy. When's the last time you celebrated the goodness of God? When's the last time you laughed and relaxed and enjoyed life? It's faith produces hope and hope releases joy in your life. That's the gift of God to us. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and what? Peace. He's talking about your mind. See, hope will fill your mind, will, and emotion with peace and joy. Watch this. As you what? Oh, see, there it is. It's simply trusting in God. As I trust in God, the fruit of that is hope. Hope is alive in me. And hope will begin to rewrite the patterns of your mind with joy, with peace, with confident expectation. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. What? Look at this. So that you may what? Overflow with hope. Church, we need to overflow with hope right now, don't we? Don't we need to overflow with hope? We are living in a negative, destructive, divisive, ugly culture right now. We are living in the midst of the blamers and the haters. Come on. We are living in the midst of the doubters. And, and, and But I'm going to tell you, in the midst of that, our hope can overflow. Not only have hope, but overflow in hope. So that you may overflow with hope. How? How does that happen? By what? The power of the Holy Spirit. God is not asking you and me to generate hope. He's asking us to trust Him and the Holy Spirit will overflow with hope in your heart. Today, if we will simplify it again, if we will come back to the foundation, if we will recognize God can be trusted. How many say God can be trusted? How many believe God can be trusted? If I remind myself God can be trusted, I begin to have hope in my life. What is hope? A confident expectation that my future will be everything God said it will be. If I put my hope in people, I'll be disappointed. If I put my hope in circumstances, I'll be disappointed. I, if I put my hope in, in, in anything in this world, I can be disappointed. But if I put my hope in God, why? Because I trust Him. Because I love Him. You know what God says? I'll overflow hope for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will overflow hope in your life. You know what that means? That it's going to spill out of you. It's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to affect your attitude. Do you know how many friends you'll have if you're a hopeful person? Do you know how many people will want to be around you if hope is overflowing out of your life? Do you realize how unique and significant you will become at where you work if you're overflowing with hope? Do you know how many people are going to work tomorrow complaining, doubting, murmuring for they ever walk on the place? Do you know how many people will wake up tomorrow morning and fuss and cuss all the way to work? Do you know how many people talk about how bad their boss is before they get there? Do you know how many people will complain about how bad the working conditions are? Complain about what they're getting paid? Complain about the knuckleheads they have to work with? Complain about all the people around them? Do you know how many people will go home and worry and complain about who they're married to, who their kids are, who lives next door? Complain about this. Do you know how unique you will become when you overflow with hope in your life? 
Do you know what will happen to you when you begin to be a person overflowing with hope? Not only will you get the antidote for depression and fear and anxiety and stress, you'll become the most effective person in the family, the most effective person at work. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's doing something in you that the world doesn't have any explanation of. You're beginning to overflow with hope. Is anybody hearing me today? I think there's some people that'd rather be upset than have hope. I think there's some people that have so lived a pattern of despair. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That you're a little bit offended at me right now by telling you you don't have to live that way. I know that. There's some people in this room that are unhappy right now. You're sitting there right now thinking, who does he think he is? I don't think I'm anything, but I think the word of God's true. (laughs) I don't think I can set you free and deliver you. I don't think I can psychoanalyze you. I don't think I can blow you out of that stronghold. But I know a God who has weapons that are mighty through the casting down of strongholds. And he will release in you the work of the Holy Spirit. And I guess I need to say to somebody. I hadn't planned this. The Holy Spirit's doing something right now. I guess I need to say to somebody today here and online. The same thing Jesus said to the man lying crippled at the pool of Bethesda. He asked him this question. He didn't say, do you think I can make you well? He didn't say, what do the other people do? He said, sir, do you want to be healed. So I want to say to you today, ma'am, do you want to be set free? Sir, do you want to be released from your depression and your negativity and your sadness and your rejection and your inferiority and your victim mentality? Or do you just like living there? If you do, I don't know what to do. But if you're tired of a squatter sitting on your brain that you have a title deed to that says you're more than a conqueror, then let's let the Holy Spirit do something in our lives today. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Your will is so important. I hadn't planned to share this, but I sense this struggle going on in the spirit right now. Many years ago, if anybody would know this was, I, I wouldn't repeat the story. We, there was a young woman in our church and she went with a group of our single adults to a, uh, literally, I'll go ahead and say it's a Benny Hinn crusade in Birmingham. And, um, this, Lady was deaf, uh, legally deaf, had to wear these very strong hearing aids. And she, he called out healing for deafness. She went up, took them out, turned her back to him, repeated every word he said. God healed her just like that. It was a marvelous thing. And when she got healed, then, then, then deafness was healed several places in that room at that moment. On the way back, she began to think about, that was her work. She worked in the hearing impaired field and her friends. And that's who she'd always been, this lady that was hearing impaired. And she began to think about her friends and what that would mean and the impact. And she reached into her purse and took the hearing aids out. And she put them back in her ears. She lost her healing pretty heavy in it and sometimes we have to decide do I want out do I want out am I willing to trust am I willing to believe again am I willing to risk my faith in God or am I going to settle for this am I going to be in this place stay in this place I want to tell you hope is the oxygen of your soul and life and fear and delay 
and abuse and disappointment strangles the flow of hope to us. And we have to come to a place and we recognize it's not just me. Some great heroes of faith dealt, struggled with not losing hope. Abraham, about halfway through his way, 25 years, brought his servant and said, Well, I'm never going to have a son. He's going to inherit everything. And God said, come here to me, Abraham. I heard you. He said, get out of that tent and come outside and look up at the stars. You know, every once in a while, we get so discouraged and defeated and locked into where we are that we just go sit in our tent. We just crawl away from the presence of God. Anybody listening to me? We just go hide out from faith. We just stay away from church. Well, and so, and, 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 and we just get in a place and we pull over us a canvas of other people doubting, failing, falling. Are you with me? And we build a circle around us. And sometimes, and I believe this is a moment, God says, Hey, I want you to step outside that place you've built. And I want you to look up at the stars, Abraham. And I dare you to try to count. Everything I put in the universe. And if I strewn the stars across the universes of, of space, I am the God who's able to give you and your wife a child. Now get out of that tent and put your eyes back on me because I am the God I say I am. And I will do what I said I will do. And then you remember it was all, it was 24 years into this and God walks into their camp. And says, you're going to have a baby boy. And Sarah was uh, uh, eavesdropping at the tent. You know, sometimes you get in trouble eavesdropping. Some of you need to stop dropping in on somebody's DM and looking at the thing. You know, sometimes you need to mind your own business. (laughs) Sarah was listening to a conversation not intended for her. Well... See, and so when she heard God say, next year at this time, you're going to hold a baby in your arm. Sarah laughed out loud, laughed at the face of God. And then God says, why were you laughing? I wasn't laughing. Oh, really? You weren't laughing? See, see, there have been some great people struggle with losing hope. Jeremiah the prophet said, I don't want to prophesy anymore. Just let me open up a motel. I want a place for a wayfaring stranger. Just get me out of the prophet business. Let me, let me get a holiday in express. That's all I can take. Uh, uh, Elijah said, let me crawl under a tree and die. I'm the last one to have faith. David wrote in the Psalms, God, you don't hear me. I don't know why you're not doing something. I don't know. But, but, but I want you to know the God of hope is with you in the hard places. The God of hope is with you when you feel like giving up. The God of hope is with you when you gave up on the promise. Why? Because God is who he says he is. And God will do what he said. And if every man walks off from him, God cannot be a liar. He has to be who he says he is. So we circle back around in those hard moments. And what do we do? We trust him. We trust him. We say, God, I trust you. And when I come back to that basic thing and realize I can trust God, hope starts to rise up in my life again. And disappointment begins to move out. And fear begins to move out because I'm reminded that God is who he says he is. And hope begins to spring out of my life. He's the God of hope. I can overflow with hope. 
because of the goodness of God. Look with me at, at one of the verses everybody can quote. There's, there's seven or eight everybody can quote. This is one of them. In fact, while we're turning to Jeremiah 29 and verse 10, go ahead and quote it for me. Jeremiah 29, 10. Quote it. Don't be shy. Quote the verse. Huh? I, I can't hear you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For, pardon me. Quote it. Jeremiah 29, 11. Say it. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Oh, it's right up there. Plans to give you hope and a future. Why do we love that verse? Because it's so positive, so powerful. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans. God has plans to prosper you. That should be encouraging to us. And, and, and then he says, I'm not going to harm you. That's encouraging to us. Then he says, I'm going to give you hope and I'm going to give you a future. The reason I said verse 10, I want to read that in a minute. Sorry that I threw you off track. But to whom did he make this declaration? So the nation of Israel, listen to me, after they had failed God, after they had sinned so long, he said, I'm not going to protect you anymore. You're going to finally face the consequences of your actions. Why would God allow us to face the consequences of our actions? So that as a last resort, we might deal with what we're doing before it destroys us. And so here is Israel in Babylon, captive. The great temple Solomon built in ruins. Their life destroyed, their hope destroyed, their future destroyed. They're captives in a foreign land. And God raises up a prophet that walks into the midst of a crying, weeping people. The Bible says that they had hung their harp up. That they sang the Psalms no more. That there was no more worship. No more observing God's feasts and directives. They had lost their worship and praise. They had lost their hope. And God sends a prophet and he says, Hey, I want you to know that I still have plans for you. And the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you. And the plans I have for you to give you hope in a future. You're listening to me right now. And he said this to a people in the lowest moment of the national history of Israel. But if you'll, you'll look at this, I want you to see this. Let's, let's back up to verse number 10. This is what the Lord says. This is what he said before the one we always hang on. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back. In other words, here's what I want you to see. I want you to listen to me right now. If you're battling the hardest moment of your life, if you're battling the darkest moment of your life, you need to remember God's going to give you hope. And you need to remember that God already has set an appointed time for the hard season you're in to come to an end. You need to understand that before you got in it, God had a way to get out of it. You need to understand that before this happened, God already knew when he was going to get you out. And so what I need to understand in the middle of the wait, someone say wait, that God's plan has not been forfeited. 
that the delay is not because God forgot about me. The delay is not because he doesn't know who I am or he hasn't heard my prayer. What I call a delay, God calls setting up the time. What I call a delay, God says, I'm developing you for the best season of your life. And so he says, I want you to know you're in a bad place. You made some bad choices. And some of you are here not because of anything you've done. Did you hear that? But you're in a bad place because the choices other people have made. And the devil wants you to think you're a victim. That you are who you are because of what they did. But you serve the God who is able to take the failures of the people around you. And the mistakes of the people around you. And the actions that happened against you. And literally take you in the middle of that. And say, I want you to know... I've already got a door out of this for you right now. You're not going to die in this place. This isn't who you are. Your identity is not a slave. I'm going to bring you out. Why? Because I know, God says, my plan for you has never ceased to function. Do you understand that? What God wrote about you while you were in your mother's womb, no one can erase that. No one can nullify that. All I need to do is remember, he's God. I can trust him. And in that place, he's going to set me free. I want you to say, God's not delaying. He's just developing me. Come on, say it again. God's not delaying. He's just developing me. I want to look at another couple of verses and we're going to pray. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans 5, 1. God is on time. Somebody say that. God's on time. Do you know his watch and your watch might be different? His watch and your watch might be different. He might not be keeping time by your watch. He might not be wearing that Apple watch you got on your arm. He might not be confined to that Fitbit. He might not be locked into what we do. He may not be reading your calendar. He may not be pacing heaven, wringing his hand because you didn't add him to your friend list. I want you to understand that God is marching to his fulfilled purpose and you are right in the center of it right now. Gives me great hope. It's a process. It, someone say process. So look at this. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Come on. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys are together. Now look at verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Ready? And we rejoice in the Hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know they're not going to last. Because we know we have hope. Why? How can I rejoice in my suffering? Because as a person of hope, in a hard time, what's the hard time doing? Suffering is producing perseverance. See, you used to be so flaky. You used to be so unstable. Your friends used to say behind your back, they don't mean that. When you said, I'll be there at nine and you left, they said, it'll be 10. You with me? When you made a promise and you walked out of the room, they would say, maybe. But because you've learned hope in the middle of the process, guess what's happening to you? The hard time you're walking through is developing something in you you didn't have before. And now you're developing what? What does it say? We're, we're developing perseverance. That means you don't ever give up. That means you're bad to the bone. That means if you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. 
That means if you say, I'll be there to the end, you'll be there to the end. That means you become the ride or die. How many know what I'm talking about? You're there. You're going to develop perseverance. And what else? Perseverance produces character. My. See, you used to be a character. Now you have character. You, you understand what I'm saying? You were a character. Everybody said he's a character. You know, you, you came by doing this and doing that. Got your hair did and your nails done. And you come in the room and they say, she's a character. But now when you leave, they say, you know what? She's got character. That woman's got some character. That man has some perseverance. That man's the real deal. Everybody with me right now? Thank you for those half. So, and, and, and character produces what? Hope, yeah. See, hope. And then look at the next statement. And hope does not disappoint us. You never have to be afraid to have hope. You never have to be afraid of having hope. Hope is the fruit of trusting in God. It's not that complicated. I trust him. He's been faithful. He knows when I'm in a hard time. He makes me a promise when I'm in captivity. He doesn't allow the failure of the people around me to keep him from being and doing what he said. I want to give you this final illustration. This is, I want you to see something you're going to take home with you. Go in the Old Testament, Hosea 2.15. Let's look at the word hope in, in, the, in the Old Testament. Hosea. Somebody find Hosea. Tell me when you're there. Of course, it's up here on the cheat sheet behind me. Hosea 2.15. It still do you good to find it in your Bible or at least on your phone and highlight it, okay? Isaiah, or Hosea, excuse me, 2.15. Now let me show you something. Again, someone say again. <laughs> Israel is in trouble. Listen to me, guys. God's for you. God's with you. God's on your side. He's the God of hope. He wants to overflow hope in your life. But if you keep acting foolish... Consequences are going to happen in your life. How many hear what I'm saying? I know you want me to come here and tell you it doesn't matter what you do. God's good and it's going to work out. I'm going to tell you if you act foolish, you're going to face consequences in your life. If you disobey God, there are going to be consequences of that. How many hear what I'm saying? God is not giving suggestions. He's giving declaration. And God tells me to do this because if I do it, it's for my good. And if I don't do it, it's going to harm me. How many are listening to me? God's word still should be obeyed in this day. God still should be honored in this day. And if I disobey his word and I go against his word, there are consequences. Listen to me. People always say when, when, you, when you make bad decisions and you face consequences, usually people say, well, God's out to get me. No, you made a bonehead decision. You are reaping what you've sown. You're not being judged. You're being allowed to face the consequences of what you chose to do. Are you with me? If you start dating somebody and every red flag in the world is waving in front of your face. And you go on and do it anyway. And then you get a broken heart. Don't come here and cry at the altar and say, I know God's trying to tell me something. He was trying to tell you something before you dated Joe Schmo. Are you listening to me? You know, you say you're in a financial bind and I got to do something and, and lying on your taxes is not something God can bless. <laughs> Taking your tithe and going to tunica and believing for the big pool is not something God can bless. Okay. So what I'm trying to get you to see is that God can be trusted. If you're in a bind, he's the bind breaker. If you have a need, he's the need meter. 
If you're in a problem, he will give you direction out of that. I have to trust him in the process. Sometimes it looks like I'm having less before I get more. Sometimes all my bad friends left me so God can make room for some real people to come into this situation. Sometimes I had to make less money dealing drugs so I could get more money being free. Don't look at me like that. Sometimes you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I got to let go of the wrong way to get there so I can get on the right path to get there. Why? So on this path, I have hope. I have a future. He has a plan for me to prosper me and not to harm me. Or I can live over there doing my thing fearful every day. So God's for you. Israel, again, is in the same spot. But notice the faithfulness of God. Verse 15. Look at this. He said, there's a place where God will restore us. Come on, say, there's a place. There's a place where all my foolishness and rebellion and disobedience can be forgiven and erased when I turn my heart back to God. How many are thankful for second chances, for repentance, for mercy, the goodness of God? He can't bless me in my rebellion, but he can forgive me and bring me back. How many are with me? There I will give her back her vineyards. Look at this. And will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as the day, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. So God says, this is what I'm going to do. Now, if you're Hebrew, you get what he's saying, but I need to help us a little. He says, in this place, I'm going to restore you. In this place, I'm going to help you. Listen to me. In this place, I'm going to find you. He said, you're in the valley of Achor. I'm going to make the valley of Achor a door of hope. <laughs> now listen, what's hope? Something I'm anticipating. Something I'm expecting. Something I'm willing to wait for. This, this word hope in the Hebrew is tikva. The original word was to tie a cord or a rope. Tikva. Interesting. Began to be translated hope. And Joshua 2, when the spies went in to spy out Jericho, remember the account? And they had to hide because they're in a foreign city. And the Bible says in Joshua 2 that the only person that would help them was a prostitute. Isn't it interesting who will volunteer to allow God to do something? Isn't it interesting that God's not hung up on what we get hung up on? He didn't condone her prostitution, but he was willing to let her make a change in her life. So these two spies went into the house of Rahab the prostitute. Maybe in church I should say harlot, but anyway, you wouldn't know what that means. So I said prostitute. So she hides them. And the next day they leave and they said, God's going to... Take this city. She said, I believe that. God's going to destroy this place. She said, I believe that. But they said, because you helped us. Watch this. Same word for hope. I want you to tie a cord in the window of your house. And when we come and the wall falls down, for our house is on the wall, she, the whole wall is going to fall, but not your house. Now, you better go get your family and put them in here because God's coming. Hope. Hope. It was a word Tikva, it means to tie a cord. Now think about Rahab. 
That cord was her only hope. She believed the word that God gave. And so against everything she had ever heard and learned, are you with me? Against all of her religion, against all of her sin and shame, against everything that she had failed and missed, she had an opportunity. Somebody spoke hope in her life. Somebody said, tie a rope, Rahab. God's going to do what he said. Tie a rope and hold on to that rope, Rahab, because there's hope for you and your family. Bring your family in and have hope in this house. Bring it in. And, and you know what God said? He literally says, I'm going to give you hope. He said, I'm going to throw you a rope. And you know, some of you today, God needs to throw you a rope. Doesn't he? Some of you in such a place need to throw a rope. Throw a, Pastor Tony, I'm going to throw you a rope. I'm going to throw you a rope. That cane's going to go away. And you're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. I'm going to throw you a rope. 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 God's got big plans for you guys. God's faithful. He's going to do what he said. He's going to watch over and protect you. And people are going to celebrate who you are instead of giving you time. God's going to throw you a rope. He's not through with you. You know, the devil has stolen some stuff and taken some things away and wants to make you think that your past is greater than your future. But the devil's a liar. There's hope. We're going to have hope. We're going to have hope. Michelle, you're going to have hope. God's not through with you. I speak hope over you in the name of Jesus, you and your family. Heather, take hope. Take hope. Take hope, guys. Take hope. Every promise. Throw it down there to the next generation. Everybody in the family, take hope. Take hope. Take hope. That prayer you've been praying, take hope. God's going to do it. That thing on your family, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. That one you're worried about, things you said is not going to happen, God sent me down here with his rope to tell you he threw your rope today. And it's going to happen just like he said. It's going to happen just like he said. God's been watching your faithfulness. You wonder, did anybody see, haven't you? Anybody know? You had a conversation with God and you said, God, is anybody in my family believe what I believe? Is anybody going to stand with me? You've shed some tears about that, haven't you? And you know what God says? I'm throwing you a rope today. You're not going to sit by yourself for the rest of your life. You're not going to be the only one that believes. You're going to have this next holiday and it's going to be different because God's going to throw you a rope. You guys have had to make some new starts and do some things over. And you know it's been hard. And he said, you're never going to be like it was before. God's going to do it. He's not through. And you know what? Just because you've had some sickness and just because some things have happened and it didn't happen the way you thought it would. And the schedule wasn't what you thought it would be. And it's been a struggle. God wants to say to you today, he sees you. There's going to be hope. There's going to be hope. You're going to rise up. You're going to see it happen. And God says the glory of the latter is going to be greater than the former. He's throwing your rope today, all right? Don't you give up on that rope. Look at you, man. I know you. I know who you are. I saw you. I'm going to wrap this around you because I knew you. Now, somebody says a white man with a rope. Everybody relax. I'm just putting a, a blessing on him right now. Come on, relax. We're in the house. See, I'm going to tell you, Mark. God knows you, man. He sees what's in there. And mama's sitting over there and your sister, I know. But God wants you to know it's not too late. He wants you to know those dreams that you had and they've been delayed. Had there been some delayed dreams? Had there been some things you thought might not happen? Well, I'm going to tell you, God threw you a rope today because it's going to happen. God's working on it right now. God has plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. I believe in you. God believes in it. It's going to be a great thing. I could go all over this place. You know what? You got one too. You've got a great hope inside of you. You got hope in there. You know what? There's some things that you dream, some things that you want to see happen. They're prayers you've been praying and you've been saying, God, Am I going to see that happen? Am I going to see there's some things you prayed as a young man? And you said, God, is this ever going to take place? I want you to know God's faithful. And God's seen your prayers. And he's seen what nobody else has seen. 
I don't want you to hold on to that rope. God threw your rope today. Man, I'd like to throw this rope on everybody in this building today. God's faithful. He's faithful. Do you understand the faithfulness of God? He's a faithful God. He's throwing somebody a rope today. I can't get to everybody, but how many need God to throw you a rope? And give you some hope today. Come on, I want you to raise your hand to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to grab this rope. I'm going to take hold of this. It doesn't matter who I've been, where I've been. Somebody called me and maligned me and said I was this and said I was that. Said I was the most unlikely one. Listen to me. God is not confined to your past. He's not sitting there doubting, worrying, wondering. Hope. Hope is like a rope. you got to grab it when it comes by. You have to take hold of it when it comes by. God's the restorer. God's the one that puts it back. I'm going to tell you the pattern can be broken. I want the worship team to join me. I want you to put your hands up and begin to say, God, I receive it in the name of Jesus. God, I receive my rope. I receive it, God. I take hold of this right now. I believe this right now. I receive it. I receive it. Do you know what's amazing? Come on, everybody stand. Let's stand together right now. Let's thank God he's the hope giver today. God, you're the hope giver. You're the hope giver. You're the God who supplies. You're the God who's able. You're the God who's mighty. You're the God who's willing. You're the God who is able. We believe in you today. Come on, put your hands up. God, I trust in you today. Tell him that. I believe in you. I believe you're the God who's able. I believe you're the God who will do what he said. I believe you're the God who's not finished with me now. The devil tried to kill my marriage, but I'm pulling out a title deed today that says it belongs to me. The devil's tried to steal my children, but I have a title deed today that says God will do what he said. It's not limited to what I feel, what I see, my circumstances and what I do. God, you are faithful. While you're standing, I want you to go to that verse 15, put it up. This is what God said. He said, in the valley of Achor, I'm going to open a door of hope. Achor means overwhelming trouble. God says, I'm going to walk into the most troubled moment of your life. And I'm going to turn everything the devil planned against you. Every lie he ever told you. All the trouble you ever had. God didn't say I'm going to do it on a good day. On a fair day. God said, I think I'm going to walk into the worst moment of your life. And I'm just going to open a door of hope right there. You don't have to wait anymore. You're listening to me. You don't have to get there and go there and get better and get it right. God says, you know, I'm going to step right where you are. Let's just open the door right now. Let's just pull the door open right now. I'm going to do that. That's what God says. I want everybody standing with me. I want you just to take, just close your eyes and, and get in a moment with you and God right now. God, we thank you. You threw us a rope today. God, there are people in this room and online and people listening to me now who thought it was over. Who thought they were drowning. The devil screamed, it's never going to be that again. It's never going to happen again. And God, we, we, we just break it down to the simplest level. If we trust you, hope begins to come alive again in us. Hope can even overflow through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you're the God of hope. You're the author of hope. You're the mighty God. We trust you. I want you just in your faith to take hold of that rope today. Just like God walked up to you and said, I'm going to throw you a rope. I'm going to extend tikva to you. I'm going to put hope within your reach. Do you hear that? Hope is within your reach today. God came to you. 
in the valley of your trouble and opened up a door and said, grab this rope. Grab this rope. There's hope for you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.